Welcome to Suspending the Rules, Bloomberg Government's weekly look at what's happening in Congress. Just a few months after the longest government shutdown in American history, we've officially entered appropriation season again here in Washington. House appropriators have started to move some of the 12 spending bills to fund the federal government for the new fiscal year that begins October 1st. Welcome to Suspending the Rules from Bloomberg Government. I'm Adam Taylor. And I'm Danielle Parnas. This week, the House is scheduled to vote on a health care and drug pricing package, as well as a measure to expand federal civil rights protections for LGBTQ individuals. Our focus in this episode, however, is at the committee level, where four of the 12 fiscal 2020 bills in the House have been approved. Jack Fitzpatrick is BGov's budget and appropriations reporter, and we're happy to welcome him back to the show to help set the stage for the spending fight. Thanks for having me back. Before we get into any specifics, let's talk big picture. Democrats took over the House in the last election, and so far there hasn't been any agreement between them on one side and the Republican-controlled Senate and White House on the other when it comes to top-line spending numbers for fiscal 2020. Yeah, to be honest, this is looking like it's going to be a a rough year for spending debates because you have Democrats increasing their leverage by getting the House majority, but both sides sort of digging in and taking even more extreme positions in some cases than we We've seen it last year. The White House put out their budget proposal saying we don't even want to raise the spending caps. Keep in mind, if they don't raise spending caps, the sequestration levels are about a 9% cut to non-defense spending, 11% cut to defense spending. The White House said, let's just use cap-exempt OCO war funds for defense to increase that and cut non-defense very steeply. So you have this this conversation that a lot of lawmakers, including Republicans like Mitch McConnell, want to have about raising the caps, something along the lines of parity, roughly equal for defense and non-defense. And then the White House is saying, actually, let's not do that at all. Uh, The Democrats tried to pass their measure on budget caps and got tripped up by the progressives who said we should take a more aggressive stance on increasing non-defense and cutting defense. And so we really had kind of a standstill. The Senate, Senator uh, Richard Shelby, the appropriations chairman, is trying to continue conversations so that the House and Senate can get on the same page, uh, at least sort of informally. But it looks like the House is going to have to mark up their bills to their levels. The Senate is going to do more conservative levels, lower for non-defense. And then at the end of the year, they're going to try to sort of uh, mash these together and get something that can become law, which is going to be challenging. And this is similar uh, to previous spending debates where, you know, Democrats talk about parity between defense and non-defense spending and Republicans are focused more on increasing defense spending. Is there something this time around that makes it more difficult or any different to um, kind of get something negotiated? Well, you have kind of the the establishment Democrats, not even necessarily moderate Democrats, but Democratic leadership in the House and John Yarmuth, the budget chairman, saying let's basically stick with parity. And then you had the Congressional Progressive Caucus say, no, we should take a much more aggressive stance and actually not increase them by equal levels, but make them equal so that we're spending as much on non-defense as defense, which would mean about a $33 billion increase for non-defense more than defense. This this really just tripped up the whole process in the House, and ultimately they said, okay, we're going to have to go along with the appropriations process without a caps deal ahead of time. And 
without a budget resolution. Without a budget resolution, maybe that will come later. But for the purpose of setting up the appropriations process, they're flying blind. Uh, I mean, that's even a, a phrase I think Rosa DeLauro said. She's the, the cardinal for the biggest non-defense bill, labor, HHS, and education, said if we don't have a caps deal and a, an agreement on top line levels, we are flying blind through this process. And it turned out that's what they're doing. So you have a really hard stance from the White House, and you have a hard stance now from the left wing of House Democrats. And that led them to say, all right, let's just fly blind on appropriations. After the fiscal 2017 omnibus spending deal, the president said he wouldn't sign another omnibus. So last year, the House and Senate package bills uh, together mostly into smaller minibuses. Do you think that'll be a strategy again this year? Yeah, uh, this is one case in which the president's stance on appropriations it has clearly at least helped lead to something really productive. He said no more omnibus packages. And the, it, last year, the House and Senate both put forward minibuses between two and four bills at a time or so. And generally, I'm hearing they're going to do the same thing. I'm trying to get some more details on what goes together. There are a lot of lawmakers who would like to see that big main package of defense plus labor, HHS, and education combined because those are the two biggest ones. And if you can get that done, then you have a huge portion of federal spending covered. That happened last year, and at least the shutdown that went on and on uh, didn't affect those didn't affect the, the military, didn't affect HHS. So it's not set in stone yet, but generally we're hearing they're going to do a minibus strategy and sort of take baby bites at this like they did last year. Those are also the two bills where you kind of have the most clear-cut Republican constituency on wanting to spend money on defense and Democrats on on social welfare programs under the labor HHS bill. That is the, the political calculus behind it. It might be a little tougher this year now that you have, as I mentioned, the progressives in the House saying, we need to make a point about defense spending. We want to either cut it or increase non-defense much higher. And uh, Democrats are, are going to put forward a, a fairly liberal labor HHS bill. They already marked it up. And when it goes to the House floor, uh, there, there are going to be some measures, the, probably the top one blocking the so-called conscience protection rule that the Trump administration put forward, which allows a medical professional to cite sincerely held religious beliefs in denying service, uh, which Democrats have criticized over potential LGBT discrimination. Uh, so they would block that in the labor HHS bill. Uh, there are a few other measures that make this really unpopular with conservatives. So it might be a, a, an interesting, interesting thing to watch when that package, if they do defense and labor H on the floor, they're going to lose definitely some from the far left and far right. It's just kind of a question of how far on either end of the spectrum they lose support. I mentioned the 35-day government shutdown over the winter earlier. It was caused in part by President Trump's demand for border wall funding, and that's still an ongoing fight between the White House and, and with Democrats. This year, the, the House's military construction and veterans affairs bill would block his emergency declaration to repurpose funds for the wall, at least into next fiscal year. Tell us about what's going on there. Yeah, this is still going to be a really big fight over the border wall, uh, maybe bigger than it was before. Trump asked for $8.6 billion this time in his budget request. 
Last time the fight was over, 5.7 billion was the biggest number that he asked for. So the Milcon bill would block the reprogramming of any military construction funds between fiscal 2015 and 2020. So it would block him from doing exactly what he wanted to do to get around the last agreement when he only got about 1.4 billion. Also, we're going to eventually see a homeland security bill in the House drafted by Democrats that uh, Lucille Roybal Allard, who will be writing that bill, said she doesn't plan on including any money at all for new fencing on the southern border. She takes somewhat of a reasonable approach and says if they need some replacement or maybe secondary fencing in certain areas, she might be able to work with them. But generally, Democrats are, are probably out to make a point uh, about opposing the so-called border wall, as Trump has described it. So does this put us uh, at risk of another shutdown over the wall? Really, the most positive thing I've heard from appropriators so far as the year's been off to a bad start has been hopefully everybody learned their lesson after the longest shutdown ever. And maybe we're looking at a year-long CR, which wouldn't be great. But the the hope, as I ask sort of that big picture question, you know, are we facing a shutdown or how are things looking at the end of September? Uh, the most positive answer I've gotten really has been, we just had a huge shutdown. Nobody thought it was a good idea for either party. Hopefully it doesn't happen again. But that's that's not the most promising answer. Democrats are also laying down other markers for their priorities. We talked about some in the Labor HHS education bill. They've also put some policy riders into the state and foreign operations bill. Uh, what are some other hurdles that you are looking out for? Yeah, so the Labor HHS one has the conscience protection issue that I mentioned. And generally, you know, it increases Title X family planning grant money increases, teen pregnancy prevention grant funds. Generally, that because that bill is so popular with Democrats, they're going in exactly the opposite direction of what you saw in the Trump budget proposal for HHS especially. I thought in, what was interesting about that bill that you reported on was that they haven't gone after the Hyde Amendment, it seems. Yes, that's going to be really interesting. Uh, I, I think maybe as a 2020 presidential issue, I, I noticed that the ACLU is going around asking some candidates uh, if they will pledge to oppose the Hyde Amendment. And I saw Elizabeth Warren and Eric Swalwell said yes to that. Rosa DeLauro, the chairwoman of the Labor HHS subcommittee, has said she opposes the Hyde Amendment. She felt the need to include it because it would be obvious veto bait if it wasn't in there, but said that in the near future, she wants this done with. So that's something really interesting to watch. That That's a, a huge example of what the stakes are in the 2020 presidential election. So that's, that's Labor H, unsurprising surprisingly is going to be a tough one and maybe pairing it with defense can get it across the floor and get bipartisan support and, and, and we'll see some movement someday in the Senate. As you mentioned, the state and foreign ops bill has a few things. It would block the withdrawal from the Paris Climate Agreement. It has a bar on the Mexico City rule barring federal funds for international NGOs that, uh, that would provide or recommend abortions even if it's not from those federal funds. It blocks the funds to any organizations in that space. And, you know, we'll we'll have to keep an eye out for what Democrats do in the financial services bill. What do they do with 
IRS implementation of the tax law. But those those are some of the biggest ones. And we've seen even in the legislative branch appropriations bill, which is generally non-controversial, just funding Congress, um, they put in some language on hiring DACA uh, yes. recipients. Um, yeah, DACA obviously has, has been a, a huge issue throughout uh, in appropriations throughout the Trump administration. That worked its way into the ledge branch bill, allowing those under the DACA program to work for Congress. That will be another big issue, I'm sure, in the Homeland Security Bill when that comes out. So the same immigration-related issues are still there, as always. But really, overall, this is the first time in eight years that we've had a Democratic House that's putting their priorities into policy riders in their appropriations bills. So we're kind of developing a a whole list of dozens of things that they're going to fight over that really weren't as much of a factor in previous years. We should find out some new ones this week because the defense bill, the interior environment bill, and the energy water bill are all slated for subcommittee markups this week. So we'll see what the, we'll get our first taste of those bills. Yeah, interior particularly, that's not necessarily the most high profile one, but that was one where Republicans loaded it up with policy riders Mm -hmm. in the House on environmental issues, blocking anything related to Obama administration regulations. So that's a, that's going to be a really big difference. Whereas defense is usually fairly popular with Republicans in energy and water tends to be pretty bipartisan. Thanks, Jack. Bloomberg Government Clients can find all his reporting and more on the spending debate, including regular status updates from the legislative analyst team on the appropriations process in both chambers of Congress at bgov.com. That's it for us. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Suspending the Rules. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Find more on the subjects we discussed today and a whole lot more from Bloomberg Government at about.bgov.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at BGov. The legislative analyst team is Sarah Babbage, Noreen Chowdhury, Danielle Parnas, Michael Smallberg, and me, Adam Taylor. Our editor is Adam Schenk. Nico Anzalata is our sound engineer. Our theme music is Home Organ by Zach Nasita. More information on that can be found at premiumbeat.com. Cases and Controversies is all about the Supreme Court. One of the oh, come on, words. you know, come on. Well, I agree Be with serious. you. We sit down with leading practitioners and scholars to break down these cases. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up so I didn't have to. But, uh... <laughs> oh, I interesting, that. Right? That is See? interesting. I guess my imagination is running wild. <laughs> Tune in every week for our deep dive and sneak peek episodes wherever you get your podcasts. As always, check out the latest at news.bloomberglaw.com. Ha, 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 ha.